Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. How many of you know that the Lord has, has, the Lord's word does not compromise certain things, amen? The world compromises in certain areas. The world says, you know what, you can... You can label yourself this way. You can identify as this. You can bend the rules for that and all these things. But how many of you know that the word of God, the Bible says that the heavens and the earth will pass away, but his word will remain forever. It is unchangeable, church. It is unchangeable. And so the first week we talked about the standard of the word. We talked about the standard of the power of the word of God, church. Did you know that when you encounter the God of this word, That when you encounter the author of this book, church, he is alive, he is active, he is living, he's more than able, he's good in everything that he does, church. This thing is the truth, amen? It is the absolute truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. And we talked also about the, the spirit of God being the standard. There's a quote that I had read, you know, and basically it was this, it was if, If the New Testament church had the buildings and the lights and all the things that we have today, they didn't need any of those things to accomplish what they accomplished because they purely relied on the Holy Spirit. Amen? They didn't need all the stuff that we have. They didn't need social media. They didn't need, you know, to get text reminders to show up to church. They didn't need any of those things. All they needed was the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was the very Spirit of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit that they waited on and that they had waited for, church, that would be become their fuel. It would empower them to evangelize the modern world that they were living in. And guess what? The standard has not changed. I thank God for resources. Amen. How many of you thank God for, for the Internet and Facebook and all the things that we're able to use to communicate to people across the world? It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful blessing. But the Holy Spirit is greater than that, church. The Bible says, who knows the thoughts of men except for the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit can reveal things to you about the life of another individual that will absolutely blow their mind. Well, they'll absolutely know that it was 100% an encounter with God and that the Lord used you as a vessel to give them a word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit Church is so, so powerful. If you've ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you will know that you encountered him. Because there's times in our life, church, when we've encountered the Holy Spirit that mark us. They're like milestones, as I call them. I'll never forget I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit when I was about 22 years old, 23 years old. Had many encounters. But one in particular was, was a time where, where me and some of the members of our worship team, we, we had, a, had a conversation after the practice, and we were just chit-chatting. And, and to be quite honest, to be quite honest, God wanted to reveal something to us that, that we were, I don't even know if we were really asking for it. But the truth was, was that we, we said, you know what, we're going to pray about this thing. And how many of you know, when you pray, church, the Holy Spirit moves, the Holy Spirit shows up, the Holy Spirit just, just comes and he, he does what only he can do. 
It's really not that hard. All you have to do is call upon the Lord and he will answer us. And I remember me and these, these, these four or five other gentlemen that were with us, we began to open our mouths and we began to pray. And how many of you have ever been in prayer and you forgot you were praying? Has that ever happened to anybody? In other words, you get into prayer and then you really get into prayer. It's not just like, oh, I'm here talking, I'm, I'm giving God, you know, my to-do list, I'm, I'm thanking God for certain things, but you begin to get into prayer, and then it's like that Romans chapter 8 prayer, where the Bible says that the Holy Spirit takes over, and he begins to utter and groan through our life, and that we're, we're saying things that we don't even know what we're saying, but we're communicating to God. That's prayer. That is like a real deep level of prayer. And I remember on this particular day, on this particular instance, we, we, we began to pray, church. And as we were praying, all of a sudden, the next thing I know, it was like the, like the Holy Spirit, if I could describe him as a, as, a, as a bomb, he just exploded, just boom. And every single one of us was on our face before God. We were just trembling under the power of God, church. Trembling under the power of the almighty God. It was one of those moments, church, where you will never forget feeling and encountering God in such a mighty, mighty way. And I'll never forget that moment. It was, it was so life-giving to me. It revealed so much about the glory of God. It was literally a Shekinah glory moment, church, where you could not even stand in the presence of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Those moments, church... Those moments should remind us that the Holy Spirit is all we need. He is all we need. All we have to do is trust and pray and believe and call upon him, church. The message that I shared on Sunday, you, you, hopefully you remember it. Amen. <laughs> you were just here a couple days ago. But the message that I shared on Sunday was exactly that. It was talking about not calling upon the Lord or, or praying for things. But it was asking God for the Holy Spirit. He said, though you are evil, would give good gifts to your children. He said, how much more will your heavenly father give to those who ask of his Holy Spirit? How much more in what greater measure will he bless you with his power? And that should teach us, church, that if he, if he told us to ask for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is all we need. He is able to provide for. He is able to strengthen. He is able to bless. He is able to pave and clear the way before you. He is able to go before you and fight your battles. He is able to, to, to give the peace of God over your life. He is able to, to, to love through you. The Holy Spirit's all we need, church. Amen? The Holy Spirit is all we need. Tonight, I'm going to get into our next point, and I'm going to be talking to you tonight about love. How many of you love me? <laughs> Man, that was weak. Okay, DJ, DJ loves me. I said, how many of you love me? You better love me. You better love me, because I love you. How many of you know somebody that's difficult to love? Don't look at them. Don't look at them. But how many of you know somebody that's difficult to love? Raise your hand. It's okay. You can admit that. You know that if we do not have the love of Christ in our hearts, it's impossible to love somebody the way that Jesus loves us. But if we have the love of Christ in our life, we've been given the ability and we have been equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit to love others 
the way that Jesus loves us. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 7, I want to read these verses to you. Chapter 7, verse 6 through 9, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up there. And I love what he is sharing here. He says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Notice how he calls you his treasured possession. Amen. It goes on to say the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people's. He says, for you were the fewest of all people. He says, but it was because the Lord loved you. Everyone say, he loves me. Say it like you mean it. Say, he loves me. It was because the Lord loved you and he kept the oath that he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and he redeemed you from the land of slavery. How many of you are free this evening tonight? Amen. He saved you from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Verse 9 says, so know therefore that the Lord your God is God and that he is the faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who would love him and keep his commands. He is a God of love, church. He is a God of love and he loves us endlessly. I want us to think about this just for a moment. I want us to think or imagine that the God of the heavens and the earth, the God that informed all of this that we exist in, church, that he would long to have a relationship with you. This very God that needs nothing from us, wants us. This very God that spoke life into your body, that breathed life into your soul, church. He doesn't need you, he wants you. He doesn't need us, church, he wants us. And yet I believe that every one of us, we could echo what so many saints have said in the word. I want us to read these few verses, Exodus 3 and 11. Moses said to God, he said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? How many of you, after receiving the love of God, have, have said, God, who am I that you, would, that you would even bless me, God? Who am I, Lord, that you would even use me, God, as a vessel for your glory. First Chronicles 17 and 16, David is speaking. He says, then King David went in and he sat before the Lord and he said, who am I, Lord God, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? I want us to think just for a moment, church, of how far the Lord has brought you. Oh, man. Just go back to the day that you met him and look at how far God has brought you. Look how far the Lord has done in your life. Look at, look at the things that he has done. Look at the ways that he has provided for you. Look at the ways that he has blessed your life. You see, you weren't, you, you weren't the you of today that you were yesterday. The person that you are right here, right now, sitting in this place tonight is not the person that God saved. For you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. But not only are you a new creation, God has done so many things in your life, church. How many of you, has the Lord just provided for you in miraculous ways? Raise your hand. He's provided for us. Let me, let me share a quick testimony with you tonight because I just need to charge somebody's faith tonight. 
I'll never forget when I was uh, about to, to, to be married and I was, I was going to get married to my wife and we are almost, next Tuesday is our 14th wedding anniversary, so I'm, I'm grateful for 14 years of, of awesome marriage. Yes, amen. But before we got married, the Lord had put something in my heart. And how many of you know when the Lord tells you to do something, you better do it? But how many of you know when the Lord tells you to do something, he's going to provide for you? Amen? And so the Lord had just put it on my heart. I had wanted to give $1,000 to the Lord. I had never given $1,000. You know, it was just, it was, a, it was a big amount for me at that time. And it was just something I had never done. And I, and I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I want to give this amount of money to you. And I had this old truck. It was an international scout. Uh, some of you might remember it. Uh, it smelled like gas and, you know, it, it burned oil. And, you know, it was, it was, it was, uh, I got around town in it. Everybody thought it looked like a Whataburger vehicle because it was white and orange. And, and it was, it was a cool old truck. But I had this truck and I, and I, and I knew, you know, I wanted to sell it because how many of you know when you get married, you got to sell stuff? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> had a motorcycle, sold that too. But anyways, I had this, this old truck and I, and I wanted a certain amount for it. I wanted at least $4,000 for the truck. And I had gotten an offer, you know, a few days, you know, uh, before uh, this, this next thing happened. And the offer was for $2,900. And I was like, ah, oh, that's, not, that's not really what I want. You know, I, I really want a little bit more because, you know, I wanted to put money in the bank. You know, I'm starting off my marriage, you know what I mean? And I wanted to get things off in the right foot. And, and I remember one night, the, the gentleman that had made that offer to me, he said, listen, if I don't pick it up on Wednesday, he said, the next day, just, just sell it. And I'm like, okay. So that night I went home and I prayed and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, you know what I need, you know what I want, God. I wanted at least $4,000 for this truck. I show up to work here at church and, and, I, and, I, and I pull in and I get a phone call about 9.05, 9.10 in the morning. And this gentleman calls and he's asking me about this truck again and he's like, yeah, is it for sale? And I said, yes, it's for sale. And he goes, he goes, have you had any offers? And this was probably the worst business mistake I ever made. I shouldn't have told him how much the guy was offering me. But anyways, I did. I said, yes, I had an offer for 2900 Now, the logical response to somebody after they say this person has made this offer, they're going to give you like what? A dollar more. I'll, I'll do 2901 He goes, what's the least that you wanted for the truck? I said, well, to be honest, sir, I'm getting married. I wanted at least $4,000. Nobody in their right mind is going to give you more money after knowing that you are willing to accept a lower amount. Amen? I said, sir, I wanted at least $4,000 for the truck. He says, do you have the title? I said, yes, I have the title. He goes, meet me at your house in 15 minutes with the title. I'll give you $5,000 cash. He said, come again? <laughs> He's like, I will give you $5,000 cash for, for your truck. And I went to pastor's office and I said, pastor, this guy's offered me $5,000 cash if I take the title of the truck to, to this guy. And he goes, go. He's like, get out of here. So I took off. I go. And how many of you know that the devil always tries to get in the way? Oh, man. Right before I'm about to receive my $5,000 blessing, guess what happens? I changed the spark plugs in this car, in this truck, a few weeks before, and I had not yet started it. And I go to turn it on, and it's going. 
I'm trying to get the thing started. I'm going, oh, my God, no, you lying devil. And I'm there, and I'm trying to start the thing. And then finally I get it started, and it's like, you know, it's making all this noise. And I get the thing started, and the guy goes, listen, hey, hey, don't worry, don't worry. He goes, count it. And he pulls out an envelope, and I count it, and it was $5,000 cash. The Lord gave me the $4,000 that I wanted, and he gave me $1,000 over so that I could give back to him, church. That's the faithfulness of God. I could give you testimony after testimony after testimony, but that's just one way that the Lord showed himself faithful. And again, I say in 1 Chronicles 7, 17, 16, who am I, Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far, God? That you would, Lord, look at me, God, and somehow be pleased in your heart, Lord, with my life. And I know that you feel that too. You say, God, who, who are we, God, that you would, you would trust us with riches? Who are we, God, that you would give us your Holy Spirit? Who are we, Lord, that you would, Lord, call us to ministry, God, that you would do things in our life, Lord? Who are we that you would do these things? Psalm 8 and 4 says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them and human beings that you care for them? You see, he loves us, church. It's only because he loves us. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, then God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I want to just pray for tonight's word. Holy Spirit, I just ask, Lord, that you would speak to us mightily. Holy Spirit, speak through me, your vessel, Lord. Any words, God, that are, that are not my own, Lord, may they just fall to the ground, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, speak, Lord, into every area of our hearts tonight, God, that we would just receive your truth in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Church, it was the very love of God that changed everything when he sent his son to die for our sins. It changed everything. The moment that Jesus Christ came to this world it changed everything in your life. It changed everything in my life. It's the very love of God that we are indebted to share with this world. We owe it to the world, church, to love them the way that God loves us. Amen? We owe it to the world. That is, we have to love each other as Christ has loved you. Think of all the times that you failed God. Think of all the times that you were shame in your own sin and your shame and God somehow just released his grace upon your life. Think of all the times that we've made mistakes before him and we've, we've said things that we you know, shouldn't have said and we saw things that we shouldn't have seen and we went places that we shouldn't have gone and guess what? The grace of God covered us, church, and the grace of God still loves us and the Lord still loves us despite all the things that we have done. The Bible says that while we were enemies of God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is pure love. That is unconditional love. And so God set the standard for giving love that demands nothing in return. It's unconditional. You can't earn it. You can't be bad enough. You can't be good enough. He loves you the Bible says, with an everlasting love. 
Carl Menninger said this, that love cures people, both the ones who give it and the ones who receive it. And I believe that to be the, the truth. When you've received the love of God in your life, it washes over every single area of our heart and every single area of our mind and our body and our soul. And it just begins that transformational process in our heart and in our life, church, when we've received his love. When Christ died on the cross for the sins of this world, the Bible says that the Father gave his son. That is, he did not lend his son. He did not say, you can have him, but I'm going to take him back. No, he fully gave him. He said, this offering I will give to you and I will never take it back. This is why the love of God is inseparable. This is why the love of God is unconditional. This is why the love of God is eternal. This is why the love of God does not even remember our faults. Because the love of God is the nature of God himself. It is the very nature of his being. It's who he is, church. How many of you have ever, ever encountered the love of God? Oh, man. <laughs> it's so powerful, isn't it? It's so powerful. The love of God, church, is the very thing that the Lord has given us access to that we didn't deserve, but yet because of his love, he grants us access to it. And every time that I feel the love of God in my life, every time the Lord pours that love over me, yeah, I might feel unworthy, but I need to remind you, church, that he saw you as worthy. See, I feel unworthy because I know the things that I've done. You might feel unworthy because you know the things that you've done. But God sees us as worthy. He said, you were worth dying for. Every single one of you. Those who would live for him, those who would not live for them, every single one he saw and he thought was worth dying for. I believe, church, at the moment of salvation, we all experienced perfect love for the first time. You can have a lot of relationships, you know, between, you know, parent and child, child to parents, peers, you know, uh, friends, you know, sisters, boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives. You can have all kinds of relationships in this world. And, and you know, people, they talk about, you know, they say they fall in love. Well, if you fell in love, that means you, you fell into it accidentally. <laughs> I hope you didn't fall in love because that means you made an accident. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. Love is an action. I choose to love you. You choose to love me. Christ chose to love you. God chose to love you, church. And so since that moment of experiencing perfect love, I believe it was in that moment, church, that we received a taste of heaven. We received all of heaven's goodness when we were felt that embrace for the first time of the love of a father. That taste exposed us to truth, to perfection, to God's best for our life. And anything else that didn't taste the same was always going to be inferior. I believe when you said yes to Jesus and you encountered that love for the first time. The Lord made it so obvious and so real in your life that he was literally showing you, listen. 
This very thing that you're feeling in this moment, this very embrace that you have in your life, it can never be replaced by anything in this world. And so when God revealed himself to you, when God poured his love over your life, when he, when he made you feel that love, church, he was literally saying, there's nothing better. Nothing will ever outdo it. There's not enough money in this world that you could earn. There's not enough possessions that you could have in your life. There's not enough perfect relationships. There's nothing in this world. It doesn't matter what you get in this world. You must be content because nothing will supersede the love of God. Nothing. Nothing, church. And if you're not that excited about it, you've probably never felt it. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, God, you know. His love is so powerful that it leaves us filled with his glory, but yet humbled by his presence. Amen? It's that powerful. And so any believer that is in Christ, we must operate in the love of God. Why is that? John chapter 13, verse 34 says this. A new command I give to you. He says, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And verse 35 says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus didn't command us to build big buildings. Jesus didn't command us to brand the church. He did not command us to bring everyone to church. He didn't even command us to only help those who could pay us back. No, he said, love one another as he has loved you. Now this is where it gets a little bit real. This is where it gets a little bit difficult. Because when you know the way that he has loved you, you're now accountable to love others the same. Amen? You say, but Pastor Duke, you don't know what they said. When you know what he, love he has given to you, you are accountable to love others the same. Ever since I became a dad, you know, nine years ago, it was, it was the best, one of the best things that ever happened to me. Just becoming a dad, becoming a parent, you know, it was, it was such a joyful thing. And, and it still is a joyful thing to be able to raise uh, my beautiful girls. But the Lord quickly began to school me in a way, church, that I must love them the way that he loves me. Because as a father, as the man of the house, I have a responsibility to represent the father well in everything that I do. And so it became a great challenge and it became a great place of accountability to say, you know what, I need to, I need to love them well. The moments when they push that last button in your life, how many of you have ever had a child that's pushed your buttons? It's okay, raise your hand. Uh, it, let them see you. It's okay if they're in here, you know. <laughs> I, saw, I saw CJ and Celeste like, what? You know, it's okay. Listen, if they, if they push your buttons, that's all right. But the challenge for the parent is to what? Is to still love them the way that God loves us. That unlovable per person that I mentioned uh, in, the, in the beginning of the service, if you know somebody that's tough to love, those kind of people, church, are still deserving of the love of God. 
They're still deserving of his love. They're still deserving of everything that God gave for them. And so we have to sacrifice our life for the sake of others, amen? We have to let go of offenses for the sake of another. We must love and forgive others the way that he loves and forgives us despite all of our mistakes, all of our shortcomings, every single failure, every single thing that we've done wrong to him, every way that we have turned our back on him. Yes, we need to love them like that. Can somebody say amen tonight? We need to love the world the way that he loves us. 2 Corinthians 5 and 14 says, For Christ's love compels us. You see, you can't love them without his love. But when you have his love, it compels you to love others the way that he loves you. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Our life's debt, church, was paid for. The sins that you had committed in your life was paid for on the cross through the blood of Jesus. Could somebody say amen for that? Our life's debt was paid for. The sin that we could do nothing about was forgiven when we said yes to Jesus. But our command now that the Lord has given us isn't to fulfill the law. It's not even to be a perfect Christian. It's not to be the perfect churchgoer. It's not to be a good church member. It is to love. This is the outstanding debt that we have to pay back to the world. Romans chapter 13 and verse 8 says this, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. That one never, you never finish paying that bill. (laughs) You're going to make payments on that one until Jesus comes. Because you are called to represent him in this world. And you are called to love this world the exact way that he loves you. Amen. It goes on to say, it says, For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So when I love somebody like Jesus, though they're against me, though they've spoken bad about me, though they've treated me wrong, though they've, you know, mocked me or done all these kinds of things, if I have loved them like Jesus loves me, church, I am fulfilling the word of God. Right now, the church, the body of Christ needs to love this world like Jesus loves them. Say, but Pastor Duke, there's people out there that hate us. There's people out there that don't want us preaching this gospel. There's people out there that oppose us. There's people out there that are against us. I know. Love them like Jesus loved them. I'll never forget the story in the Bible where Jesus, he went into this town and he was doing uh, all these miracles. And the Bible says that they literally tried to run him off a cliff. He had to escape the town. 
what had happened was there was a young demon boy and, and Jesus had literally set this young man free. He was completely free uh, of demons and, and he was in his right mind again. He was literally walking through the streets, you know, no longer bound by this demonic spirit and he was set in his right mind and the Bible says that the, that the city was afraid and the city was like weirded out by it and they're like, man, he, he should stay a demon because <laughs> that's not normal. To see somebody free wasn't normal for them to, to witness. And so they wanted to run Jesus out of the town because he was, he was doing things and he was actually putting the things back in the way that they were supposed to be. The way that God had ordained it to be since the beginning. And church, when we are in, in, in this world and we are loving others as Christ loves us, and we're not paying back evil for evil. You read that one, didn't you? You're not paying back insult for insult, but you're paying back that debt to love one another. We prove to this world that we belong to Jesus. You can't share Rock of Ages service on Facebook enough times. You can't put enough bumper stickers on your car. You can't wear enough Christian jewelry or paraphernalia or T-shirts to prove that you are a Christian unless you love others the way that God loved you. That's just the truth. Second John chapter 1 says this, I am not writing you a new command, but one that we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we would walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you would walk in love. Church, if we hold fast to love, then we're holding fast to God. And if we're holding fast to God, we are loving one another must be the result. If you're truly following Christ, then loving one another must be the result. And so what does it look like to love someone unconditionally? Does that mean that you agree with everything that they do? No, you do not have to agree with that. Like I said, we never compromise the standard of the word. Jesus never separated truth from love. Never. He can love them and speak perfect truth. Some people like to act like, well, I told them the truth. They live that lifestyle, they're going to hell. Oh, really? You told them the truth. You didn't love them? Come on. And then there's the other side. Oh, I just love everybody, but I won't tell them nothing. What are you doing then? You're just loving them straight to, straight to hell. You cannot separate the two. You have to love them the way that Jesus loved them, but you have to be bold enough to say you must repent of your sins. You must repent of your sins and ask Christ to be Lord of your life. Therefore, if you do not do that, yes, hell is your destination because you are fallen and the wages of sin is death. But if you love them the way that Jesus loved them and you present to them the gospel of the Lord... And you give them the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to turn from their wicked ways, to repent of their sins, church. You can see them come to Jesus. But you have to love them. So what does it look like to love someone unconditionally? It's loving without expecting anything in return. You see, a lot of people fall into the trap of loving others in an attempt to attend church. That is, they'll just love them and say, hey, man, how you doing, bro? You know, I hope you're good and this and that. Just so they can get them to go to their church. 
But as soon as they're gone, the love stops. Many fall into the trap of loving only those who can love or appreciate them back. You see, it's easy to do that and somehow feel like you're loving others unconditionally when all along you're operating by conditional love. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43 says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Verse 44, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? He said, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than another? He said, do not even pagans do that? He says, so be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The point that the Lord is making is this, is the mature, that is the perfected believer, will do good and show kindness to all men, both good and bad. That is, they are mature in heart, and when they show that love to enemies as well, they're showing their maturity in Christ. Jesus showed the ultimate form of love when he was nailed to a cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they've done. If I was hanging from that cross, I might have had some words to say to those people. And Jesus didn't. He forgave them. Jesus didn't die for only those who would accept him as Lord and live for him, but he died for all men. And in dying for all men, he showed that he truly loved all men, church. Society today, by vast majority, hasn't seen or known the love of God, but you have. We have. And we're so privileged, church, to be able to share that love. The Bible says to as freely as we have received, we must freely give. Amen. And so if the Lord has given us these two simple commands, to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and secondly, to love our neighbor as ourselves, then that's it. I believe the more that we host and we engage with the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, the more our lives are changed by his love and we're perfected by his love. But outside of the Holy Spirit, church, outside of a true relationship with Jesus, you cannot love this world the way that Jesus Loves them. How many of you want to represent God well? Amen. I believe that the Lord is coming soon, church. Amen. I'm going to say that one more time. I believe that the Lord is coming soon. I don't say that for you to fear because the day of the Lord is not to be feared by those who have said yes to Jesus. In fact, it's a joyful day. It's a day that we're all waiting for. Amen. It's a day, man, that, that, that I'm going to be like, let's go. I'm excited, man. When the Lord splits the eastern sky, that trumpet sounds, church, we will be with him forever in glory, church, in the presence of God. But the Bible says that while there is still day, we must love this world, church, the way that he loved them. I'll finish with this because I want us to pray tonight, church. We have some serious things that are going on in our world, amen? Countries like Haiti being completely devastated by storms. The people of Afghanistan. (sighs) 
See, these are God's children. Sometimes, church, we're a little bit numb to these things because we don't see it here. But I want to go back to that verse just for a second. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Right now, there's people in Afghanistan that are undergoing massive persecution. We don't know what that looks like. We think if somebody gives us a a thumbs down on our Facebook post because we mentioned Jesus that we're being persecuted. No, that's not persecution, church. Persecution is when your life is on the line. And it's literally a final declaration. If you will renounce Jesus, that's what persecution looks like. That those people are literally losing their lives right now as we speak. We need to love our enemies. There's so much wickedness in this world right now, church. And the enemy has taken off his mask. He's not even hiding anymore. He's making it incredibly obvious. And he's persecuting the people of God. And he's doing things just in an outright blatant way. And I need to just just tell you this tonight, church. This is going to be probably one of the toughest prayers that we're going to pray tonight. Because there's people in this militant force of, of the enemy called the Taliban that absolutely hate you and I because we bear the name of Jesus. They hate us. They want us dead. I need to bring that reality into your heart tonight. And because they hate us, because they want to see us dead, because they want to persecute the the, the Christians that are in Afghanistan, the people that have said yes to Jesus, they're raping young girls and they're, they're killing women and they're beheading people, church. We have to pray for those who persecute us. And so I want us to agree tonight in prayer that the love of God would so fill the hearts of the people of Afghanistan, would so fill the hearts of the people, the missionaries, the people that are in that country right now that are suffering this intense persecution, that the love of God would fill them so much, church, that even while this is happening to them, church, that they would be praying and they would be interceding and they would be on their knees before God, just begging for the mercy of God to touch these people that want to do harm to them. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.